Guys, I got a quick, quick word here. I'm going to try to do this in 10 minutes so that we can get out of here. But um, what I want to talk to us today, the message is, is a, I think, again, I want you to understand, when we're up here speaking, there is a teaching part, there is a, but they, really it's a prophetic statement. I think that what God is saying, this is what I want you to hear right now. In light of the book that we're reading, the gospel comes with the house key, and in light of our heart to reach the lost, and in light of the situation with the Taliban we were just talking about, all of that in a blender, this is what we're talking about. The story comes out of Luke 19, and the title of this message is, Who's Invited? And I'm just going to read the story, and then we're going to talk about three perspectives that we can look in this story. So it's Luke 19, and I have a, if you want, I have a coloring sheet. You won't have very long to color it, but I have a coloring sheet depicting this. So if you're a child of any age, uh, what is, how does the song go? One to, the Christmas song? Yeah, ch- children from 1 to 92, you can take a coloring sheet and color it. So go ahead. Um, they're in the back if you want one. So the story of Zacchaeus, many of us know this story. So it goes like this. I don't know how you knew what I was talking about. Luke 19, 1 through 10. <laughs> Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zac- a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a ch- the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, or since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, or, yeah, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, he's talking about himself, came to seek and save the lost. So this is our story that we want to go through today. It's about a man named Zacchaeus. And just for some context so you understand who this guy is, being a tax collector back then was not like working for the IRS now, okay? Being a tax collector back then meant you were pretty much almost guaranteed to be a bad guy. You could not be a bad guy, but it's almost like you're foolish if you weren't because your job was to collect taxes for the government that was distant, and you had the enforcement of the military behind you, and you could kind of just charge people what they wanted. Like if they were taxing at 20%, you could say, well, the tax rate is 30 and just keep 10. So people did that. And it's implied here that Zacchaeus did that. He's not a good guy. This is a bad guy, okay? And so Jesus isn't going to eat lunch at a bad guy's house, and this is the story that happens. And we're going to look at three perspectives on this story. One is perspective one we're going to call the salvation perspective. Where imagine yourself in this story as Zacchaeus, okay? Many of us, some of us here really need to hear this today because many of us, all of us know when we're finally honest that we're bad people. God's not saving us because we're great or because we've done all the right things. When you're really truly confronted by Jesus, you realize how rotten you are. And we can really see this in the story here. So what you say is perspective one, you're lost. You've done a lot of bad things in your life. Some of them people know about. 
maybe you're like Zacchaeus and people really know about it. Like your identity is how bad of a person you are. But you long to be included, you long to be loved, and you hear about Jesus. This Jesus is healing broken people, physically broken and emotionally broken, spiritually broken, and he's setting captives free. And you're a captive, even though people think you're the one in charge. You know you're outcast and how rotten of a person you are. And you hear Jesus is coming by. And you say, I just need to see who this guy is. But I can't see over the crowd, and I'm too scared to go in the crowd because they all hate me so much. So I'm just going to hide up in a tree just to see what this guy is all about. And out of nowhere, you know who you are. You know how bad you are. You know all the things that you've done. You know you deserve nothing good. But you also know you're trapped and you're longing. Is there possibly a way to be different? You're hiding just to see what God might be like. And somehow out of nowhere, he picks you. And he's picked every single one of us. And he says, you're a rotten guy, but I'm coming to your house. And at that point, coming to your house meant that we were accepting each other. I'm eating at your table meant we were accepting each other. It means that still now, but it even more so meant it then. That's why people are like, wait a second. I thought this was Jesus. He's eating at a bad guy's house. But you're like, oh, my gosh, he's coming to my house. And the moment, so now Jesus comes into your life. And I think about it, if you're Zacchaeus, he's, you're inviting now Holy Jesus, into your rotten, messed up life that's filled with all the bad things you've done. You probably, if you're this guy, you probably got bags of money that you stole from people, like poor people. You got furniture you bought with that money that you stole from people. There's probably people that you had killed. I mean, you're, and you're bringing Jesus into this house, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. And just because Jesus is there, you suddenly can see the light of, oh my, what am I doing? And he repents. He says, look, I will fix this because of what you've done for me. Okay? Not, Tim Keller says it like this. It's not, I will behave and then I'm accepted. It's, I'm accepted, therefore I forgive. Therefore I behave. You see what I'm saying? I correct my life in response to what Jesus has done for me, not to earn it. You can't earn it. And so he's saying, I'm coming to your house. And then you say, oh, my gosh, this is a mess, and I'm going to correct it. And, and Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. That's salvation now. That's the salvation perspective. Perspective two that we're going to look at is the critical perspective. Maybe you walk with Jesus. Maybe you've been walking around with him for a while. Maybe you're there. And then maybe you see Jesus pick the bad guy out of the crowd. And maybe, maybe you've been liking this. Maybe you've been, life is good. You're part of the in crowd. I'm with Jesus. Jesus is cool. Jesus is the king of the universe. I know him, and it's cool. And then out of nowhere, Jesus points to the worst person and says, hey, I'm coming to you. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a bad guy. And you have to put yourself... Who is the absolute worst person you can think of? 
And in the situation we were just praying for, you can at least think of some people in this situation. Some people you may have even seen in photos in the news this week. Jesus says to them, I'm coming to your house. That is offensive to us. And we stand back and go, him? Them? Why? What did they do? They're evil. They're bad. They're wrong. And we stand, and maybe we don't even go with them. Jesus goes into their house to save them. And we, I'm not even going in there anymore, you know. And, we, and he's doing his work, his kingdom work, his godly work. And maybe we're not even a part of it because we can't forgive and we can't see what he's seeing, that he's here to seek and save the lost. This is the critical perspective. Many of us get caught in this. Many of us that follow Jesus get caught in this. And we're critical of the ministry that God's calling us to do. And we want justification in our hatred of other people. And that's not salvation. And the third perspective is this, the Jesus perspective. Because Jesus, once you're like Zacchaeus, if you truly know him, you know you're rotten. If you truly have known him. But you truly know that he loved you anyway. That exchange changes everything about who you are. Jesus calls it rebirth, okay? You are born again. You are, oh my gosh, in spite of all of this, God loves me still. Now that's changing everything. And now I need to tell other people about this. And so you can step in now to the character of even Jesus in this story because once you're with him in heart and spirit and all, you're an ambassador to tell other people, okay? And so who he is, this is the thing, he is inviting these people. And you can see this in other stories. I won't go into them in depth because I'm trying to keep it really short. But just a few pages before, or scroll back a little bit, <laughs> if Luke 14, he has a couple stories and parables about banquets. And the one in Luke 14, 16 to 23, a guy is having a banquet, and he invites all these people, and none of them come. And so he says, go out and get the, get the other people. Just get anybody. Like, this is God's banquet now. And he's talking in that context about the Pharisees and how he's now opening this door to everyone. And so there is some specific things. But in general, we can hear that God is throwing a banquet. God is inviting people. And some of us are saying no. And he's saying, well, then get anybody because my banquet is going to be full. And if you look at the parallel passage of that, which is in Matthew 22, Jesus would tell stories to teach. And then he would tell them more than once, like we tell stories more than once. And sometimes the details would be a little bit different in different places because it, you know, but they make the same point. And I believe that's kind of what's happening here in Matthew 22. It says that not only did they just go out and get other people, like anybody, it specifically says bad people. Look, Matthew 22.10. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And so how do we do this? How do we be ambassadors for Jesus, actually reach the community, actually do what we're called to do? What are we supposed to do with that? And this is where some of the book we're reading right now, I think, could change things. Because we, we, all of these stories have in common food and eating together. And this is not the only way Jesus preaches who he is, but it's a big one. And when he leaves us with a meal, which if I was really creative, we would have closed in communion today as part of the whole thing. But the idea that he leaves us with a meal to remember him by is, is super important to this. But Jesus, 
in the story, he eats dinner with Zacchaeus. That's how salvation enters his house, okay? And in the book we're reading, Rosaria Butterfield calls this radically ordinary hospitality. Radical in my mind because most people aren't doing it. So when you do something most people aren't doing, that's, whoa, that's radical. But ordinary because everybody could. We just don't because we like our free time or we like whatever, you know. I said earlier it intimidated me, so I'm not up here going like, since I got this, I'll figure it out. It's hard, but it's radically ordinary. And, and uh, she says it this way, radically ordinary hospitality. To those who live it, see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as a family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with the house key. That's what we're talking about. Kayla, come on up here. We're going to close in a song really quick. When Jesus, again, or before, right before that last part of Luke 14, where he's talking about this banquet or wedding banquet, if you read the Matthew version, that we're all invited to, this marriage supper of the Lamb and this whole thing. <laughs> he talks about uh, like, uh, what you should do when you're having people. And this is a funny thing. Like you, we've talked before. Like every Wednesday as a church, we try to fast and pray about a subject. And when Jesus says, when you fast, that kind of has an implication. I would, ex- I'm ex- you know, it's not like if you fast. He says, when you fast. Like, I know you're going to fast. Like, you should be fasting if you're a believer. And when you do it, do it like this. You know, this kind of thing. You find a similar statement here in Luke 14, 12, where Jesus said to the host that he was with, when you give a luncheon or dinner, some translations even say party. You hear that when? Not if. When. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, we could talk about what does that scripture mean for a very long time, and we're not going to today because I believe that God can speak to you um, how you need to hear that. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't hang out with your family, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't eat together with people that you're friends with. It doesn't mean any of that. But it means to have a heart constantly towards the outcast, constantly towards the people that need. Jesus came, as he said, to seek and save the lost, to have a heart for the lost. And it doesn't mean that you to have a heart for the lost means you have to stand out on the road with a sign to like preach to people. It's some people can do that, and that's we could whatever you know. Most of us aren't good at that kind of thing, and don't even need to be doing it. Maybe even in our culture. However, all of us can have people in our house, or just include people in whatever way you can include them, and be honest about who Jesus is in your life. Not as like a, okay, first thing I'm going to say this, then next time we talk I'll say that. You don't even have to do it like that. Just being open. Like if you notice in this story, I don't know how much Jesus and Zacchaeus talked on the way there, but they didn't think it was enough to include. Just inviting Jesus into his house did everything. 
And if we can invite people to the table with Jesus, he's already inviting them. If we can just get them there, we're like the servants going out. We'll just bring anybody. Jesus takes care of these kinds of things. We need to start having faith in how big God is and just do our little part, which might actually surprisingly be fun. Even if you're shy or you're an introvert, there's ways. It's just saying, God, your heart for the lost is what we need. And so I'm going to ask them to sing this song. If you would like to come forward for prayer, we always have people that are willing to pray for you and with you, either about the things we're talking about now or about anything. We have people that will pray for you. And if you want to come, if you want prayer, come forward and there'll be people here to pray for you. And otherwise, Kayla's going to lead us in a song and we'll, we'll close.